I'm Indy Lee, and I'm the founder of Indy Lee, a clean skincare line. And what I love about beauty is that it starts within. For me, it's always been about an energy that is created within and is so individualized. From New York City, you're listening to Beauty is Your Business, covering the intersection of innovation and business in the beauty industry. Welcome to Beauty Is Your Business. I'm your co-host for today's show, Denise Dente, and we are here with Indy Lee from Indy Lee Skincare. Hi, how are you? Hello, I'm so excited for this. Well, welcome to the show. I'm also joined by my business colleague and friend, Jessica Quick. Hi, Jessica. Hey, Denise. Hey, Indy. Hello. We're thrilled to have you on the show. And like you said, I think we're all excited about this conversation. Indy, your story is just something for the record books and so inspiring and so wonderful. I think that's the best place for us to start is tell us about how you started Indie Lee. Of course. And thank you for the compliment. You know, I don't come from the beauty industry. I actually, I'm an accountant. I like to say that I'm a recovering accountant and I had a wonderful career. I worked at HBO and I left to spend more time with my children. And in 2008, I started to notice that I was losing my vision out of my left eye. And I had just been diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis probably four months prior to that. So my world was already being turned upside down because the RA really did impact my ability to live full out. I had to go on some significant medication. And all of a sudden I started losing my vision. I'm like, okay, what is going on? And I went to my doctor and he said, you know, you really don't complain about anything. And clearly there's some things that are happening in your body. Go get a scan. So I went immediately for an MRI. And that was November 4th, 2008. And within 45 minutes from walking out of the scan, he called and said, could you please come in? And which is never what you want to hear a doctor say. You know, you always want, oh, all clear, you know, X, Y, Z. And I said, I had a feeling that this was going to be that kind of call. Can you just tell me what it is? Because otherwise I'm going to go to my dear friend Google and try to figure it out. And he said, well, I really just want to talk to you face to face. And I said, my keys are in my hand. I'm walking out the door with the phone. What is it? And he said, you have a brain tumor. And I said, I'll see you in 15 minutes. And you guys may have heard, people always ask, like, how do you handle Like, what did you do? And I just got in my car and started to drive. I didn't call anybody. And I really didn't want to put any thoughts in my mind until I spoke with the doctor. And so... As I'm driving, it was one of the most beautiful fall days in New York, in Westchester County. The leaves were turning. It was just gorgeous. And I realized that up until that moment, for the previous 37 years, I was a passenger in my own life, literally checking up the boxes of everything I thought I needed to accomplish and not actively living it. And I said, I don't know why this is happening, but it is absolutely happening for a reason. I just need to let it unfold. And then I realized that I need to get busy living. And I made a promise to myself that I have kept to this day that every day is going to be lived with purpose, with passion, and for me to be fully present in the moments. Because I find so often we're thinking about what was or what will be, we're missing the extraordinary in the now. And so when I got to the doctors, he said, I don't know what this is. It doesn't look like cancer. And it wasn't, but you need to go see some serious specialists. So off I went to 
whole bunch of specialists up and down the East Coast. And they would say, we don't know what this is, but you need to get your affairs in order and spend as much as time as you can with your children who are about five and eight. It could be as little as six months. I know, Denise, I know, Jessica, this sounds so weird, but I would literally say, thank you so much. I don't think so. I'll find somebody else. And when I went to one of my doctors, the neuroendocrinologist, I said, you know, how is this happening? Nobody in my family has anything like this. And he said, you know, we are seeing things like this be tied to the environment. So, of course, I point out my 750 square foot greenhouse in the backyard where I'm eating organic out of that I'm in phenomenal shape. He said, sure, that is all part of the equation of your environment. Then he said, let me ask you, what do you put on your skin? And that was my awakening. Now, what I left out was I had created a little mini line from my nephew when I was diagnosed with RA because I didn't want anything potentially harmful on his newborn tush. And everybody said, you need to create a line. I said, nobody's going to buy clean, you know, baby stuff, you know. And I wasn't thinking of a larger picture. I mean, you guys know there's here in the U.S., it's largely unregulated. And I said, okay, in that doctor's office, I said, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to create a line that's safe, that's effective, that looks gorgeous on a shelf. But more importantly, I'm going to spend the rest of my life, whatever that looks like, educating and empowering others to live the healthiest version of their life. And I started formulating the next day in my kitchen. Like just, okay, reading, you have six months. You're like, what are you going to do with your time? <laughs> it's like, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to formulate. I'm going to educate. I'm going to empower. And so that's exactly what I did. And I was fortunate. I found a doctor who said, I'll, I'm willing to do surgery. I said, fantastic. Let's go. He said, well, you have less than a 50% chance of waking up. I said, I'm dying. Let's go. And he said, we're going to do it on April 22nd, which is Earth Day. I'm a big person that believes in science. So I believe through this. There were so many signs that the universe sent me that this was going to be okay. And so Earth Day came. I said, today's a great day to live. Put on some incredible music and let's go. And when I went to sleep, I couldn't see out of the most of my left eye. But when I woke up many hours later, I opened my eyes and I could see completely. And the doctor came in and said, you're done. And I, of course, was very sassy because I am very sassy and said, what does that mean to you? Because to me, it could mean something very different when you say you're done. And he laughs. He's like, you are always been a piece of work. And he said, we got everything. Welcome to the rest of your life. And I've been off to the races ever since. So that's why this is so much more than just goop in a jar. This is a movement. You know, when I started 2008, 2009, clean beauty wasn't really on the scene. So really blessed to be at the forefront of it from the beginning. Wow. That really is just a wow story. And I have to say, I have heard it from you before and I hear it again and I'm still in awe of how you approach this. Thank you. But I think it speaks volumes to what you stand for and what your commitment is. And you can see it in the brand. Thank you. So love the fact that you formulated it in your kitchen and you started that way. But let's face it, we've seen you on shelves. Yeah, I'm not formulated in my <laughs> kitchen anymore. <laughs> People are like, what? I'm buying it. She's making it in her kitchen with a spoon. No, that's not what's happening. Yeah. So how did that happen? How did you go from being inspired, making some things in your kitchen to ramping up your brand and creating a brand out of it? Take us through that process. Sure. Absolutely. So, you know, it really was in, in my kitchen. And at the beginning, I said I was going to be an eco-chic line. I can assure you I was eco-eco. I did not look very chic at all. But that was at the point where I didn't have money to do things. I sold my jewelry. I emptied my 401k. I went to massive amounts of credit card debt that I'm still paying off to this day. And 
I did my own labels and all those things because I knew in my heart it was the right thing, but I know nothing about marketing. I know nothing about sales. I told the person who created my website from the recovery room on that day, I lived or turning on the site in one month because I had things like the coconut citrus scrub, which is in my line today, not made by me anymore. But I mean, that was one of the products I launched with. And I thought when I turned on the switch, everybody was going to come and buy. And, you know, my aunt ordered my mom, like a couple friends. And I was like, oh, shoot, there's that thing called marketing. It was very organic. Like I worked in a store that was a co-op to learn retail. And then my best friend who now manages the warehouse operations for the company, she introduced me to another one of my business partners who said, you know, I don't want to be your consultant. I really believe in what you're doing. I want to be a bigger part of this. And she understood sales and marketing. And so then she started also signing on doors. It wasn't like we started and then boom, it blew up. I always say we got to the first million the hard way. It was door by door, e-com sales by e-com sales because we weren't funded, but it resonated with people. My story resonated with people and retailers started calling and then we had it's so funny because people said, I remember Saks Fifth Avenue said, I love your products, but they just don't look like they're right for a shelf. And the same thing with Henry Bendel's. We do trunk shows and they would sell out. They're like, these numbers are incredible. But again, the look isn't right. And so my designers, my creative director to this day, he redesigned did something very similar to what we look like now. And then the retailers started calling and we started to get more attention and press started coming in. And we did get a contract manufacturer within the first year. I was like, okay. And then we started, he's a formulator too. Then we started working into deeper formulations that I couldn't be doing in my kitchen. The line went and expanded into face, not just body and use stem cells, things. Again, I wasn't going to be mixing in my kitchen. And it just grew from there. And in 2016, I caught the eye of this incredible woman, Lori Perella Krebs. She emailed me and she's like, you know, I work with this investment company, blah, 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 blah. And she's like, do you have time to talk? And I can't tell you why, but I said, how does now sound? And we got on the phone for two hours and her company invested in me in 2017 and haven't looked back. It's been the most incredible journey because they really, it's one thing to do it organically, but to understand how to scale, to have the connections, to know how you put things in a shelf, to understand what a planogram was and how buyers look at it and in-store support and supply chain and product forecasting. You know, there were three of us and now we had this team and we had funding and we had somebody who had tremendous know-how and here we are. It's absolutely fantastic because I feel like that is so much of it where real founders get into it and you build it and you grind it out year after year and then it starts coming in. And we from the outside look at and say, oh, they just came out of nowhere. And you're like, no, right. we've been here quite a while making this happen. And then when things start to happen, it feels to the consumer like you came out of nowhere, but you've been putting in the hard work. You had mentioned earlier about the fact that there isn't any regulation about clean and so forth. So what does clean mean for Indie Lee? What is it that you guys are focused on and making sure that what people are putting on their skin really is the right piece? What is clean to you? It's a hard thing because like, you know, we talked about while there's very little regulation, there's also no regulation over the word clean. And so what is clean to me could be very different to the, what is clean at say Credo, what Sephora's clean idea is, Conscious Beauty at Ulta, Conscious Beauty at Blue Mercury, everybody and every brand has their own. 
And so it's very hard and can be very misleading. And so I do think clean is starting to get a bad rap because there isn't that one standard narrative or definition. For me, it's causing no harm to the environment or to oneself, right? It's formulating to the highest standard. So we do formulate to the EU standard. And as you will notice on many of our products, you will see a Cosmos label. Now, Cosmos is the leader and, you know, is this global umbrella led by true leaders in biodiversity and sustainability. And it, every piece of the supply chain has to be certified Cosmos. So from farm to face, which means the agricultural process, making sure we're leaving the planet better than it was, right? Making sure that the distillation, the manufacturing product is clean. So people like, I don't understand what that means. If you have a vat, of, you made this beautiful, clean product, but then they use all these harsh chemicals to wash out the vat, that's going to the water table. You just undid what you're trying to do. And so every step is really in the process. And so it means that our manufacturers, our suppliers, our ingredients, and it's audited annually. So that is our promise to our consumers is that is the directive that we're taking and we're continuing to work with when we do packaging. How can we go more sustainable? But you guys know, you are veterans, you know, it's one thing to say you want to do something sustainably. I'd like to do it even better than that, right? Because sustainable means you're kind of staying status quo. But the goop in the jar has to work with the component. And we're still not exactly there when you have some actives. So it's something that we're working towards. I'm really proud that we're launching our first refillable. And so, you know, you'll see more and more, but you know, for me, it is trying to leave the world a better place with products. I think it's an interesting point too, for all of us to understand, just as you mentioned that because there's no set definition and there's these different essentially ways that we're interpreting it, that just because one retailer or brand says it, there's almost even different levels within that, you know, what's clean at one place and what's conscientious at another place, even within there, there's this range. And I think that's what's so interesting about all of these products and brands is really for the consumer and us as sales and marketing and founders to come in and really understand what is in the product. And it's on us because like you said, some of this language is becoming very nuanced and it's just very easy to pick up and go, oh, it's clean. But that's not the same thing across the board. That is really the truth of it. And that is why for me, this has always been about education and empowerment. For me, knowledge is power. So I want to give you as much information about ingredients, about our formulas, about the whys, so that you can make the decisions for yourself. I'm an 80-20 gal. I'm not always 100% clean on everything. But again, those are my decisions to make, just as there should be your decisions to make. But unfortunately, you have to be your own advocate and make the decision. So I just want to be able to provide information for others to do that. And whether it's our products or somebody else's, I just want to help in the process and give some alternatives. Because you were one of the first in this area of clean and setting these standards, particularly with this EU and Cosmo standard, which we are solidly behind, and it's pieces that we recommend to the folks that we work with. In fact, we had somebody in town this last week that came from Europe and was looking at the brands here and was rather surprised not to see the level of clean that she anticipated would be here in America. 
So I think that, you know, you are leading in that area. And I'm curious, because you were one of the first, what were some of the obstacles that you had to overcome and or still have to overcome today? Because formulating this way, whether it's formulating with the ingredients or the componentry can be a challenge. So what are some of the obstacles? Yes. The obstacles we find right now is obviously compatibility between the product and trying to find more sustainable componentry, right? So you want to make sure that you're not eroding anything into the product, et cetera. So to me, that is one of the biggest things like, okay, we got this great product. Yes, we love this component. And then it fails stability at eight, 12 weeks and realize that you have to start again. You know, and so that is definitely one of those challenges about bringing something to market when you really want to be clean because you're not using some of the heavier, I would say, preservatives and things that keep the product and make it live on the shelf life. Yeah. So the biggest problem is like, exactly. You want to make sure that you have a solid shelf life. You want to make sure the goop is compatible with something that is more sustainable. But because we're not using these harsh preservatives, it becomes a little bit tricky, right? So that is definitely one of them. I will say where I was back in 2008, 2009 to now, green chemistry has advanced so far. Finding those beautiful and creating these beautiful products is not as difficult as it once was because you're starting to get chemists who are Cosmos certified. You've got more ingredients that are becoming Cosmos certified because they truly do believe at our core, we want to do right by our planet and do right by ourselves. And so you're seeing it more. And, you know, everybody said, oh, India, how come you don't do like government, like pushing for lobbying and things like that? Because I believe we're voting with our dollars. And so the more the demand is that people are saying, I want this, the more supply is going to come out. And I've watched it transform the industry. So the biggest problem is not what people think in terms of being able to create. The bigger problem is how do we do it sustainably and safe and make sure they're compatible. It's in a cluttered marketplace. How do you stand out? How do you stay true to your mission and get the word out authentically? That's probably the more challenging part because there are so many other players now. So I would love to dive into that a little bit because that is one of the big challenges. How do you stand out in a sea of sameness? And obviously in 2009, like you said, you were one of the first to market. Now there's so many. What are some of the strategies or some of the pivots even that you have made to get out there and really be in the front of consumers and tell your story? I know that you're on the road a lot, but what are those strategies? Yeah. I mean, before the pandemic, it was exactly that. I mean, it was like a road warrior. I was probably on the road at least two weeks out of a month, visiting stores, doing master classes you know, meet and greets with various different people. I mean, I always said I wanted to create a community. Now you can't create a community if you're not a part of it. And so that is why I've constantly stayed in the DMs on our brand page. It's why I will, you know, someone comments and they're asking questions. I'm like, here's my cell phone. Let's have a conversation about it because I can't do this back and forth on text or in DMs. And I think that's part of it is staying true to who we are, despite all the fluctuations in the market and not letting shiny pennies go drag us one way or another, but having that real touch point with consumers. Now, pandemic shifted that. I can no longer go out on the road like I was, but I will tell you by April, 
I had already done the virtual masterclasses. As soon as I saw this happening, I said, we need to figure out a different way to meet our consumers and be there for them during this really challenging time. That's when self-care, and I don't mean self-care as in personal care products. I mean, truly taking care of your mind, body, and soul. That was when it was so important. Because again, we proved stress will reduce your immune system and with COVID you needed to boost it. And so I started to do virtual masterclasses almost weekly, sometimes several times a day where we would do Zooms and people would write in and they would pay $10, which covered the shipping and I would ship them all the supplies they needed to do a masterclass in their home. So I was sending out those sachet packets and I would, here's 15 sachets, log into Zoom on this day and then you can use that $10 reservation fee on our site to buy. And we would do two hour Zooms and people were in their home and they were so happy to have that connection when we weren't able to go out. And so I think we as a brand did a great job of meeting consumers where they were during difficult times. And I think that's also been part of the reason for our success is staying in touch. You've got to find how to be there for them. This idea of trial is always something that we love digging into, particularly when you have a brand such as yours that education and trying the product and how do you get that trial and then conversion? And so I think you guys have come up with a great solution during a challenging time and beyond giving them great skincare, also that connection to community must have meant a whole lot to a lot of people. Thank you. It meant a lot to me. I'll tell you what was so incredible is that I would have these Zooms and I would say, what are you doing back here again? We just, I just saw you. And they would continue to do these. And they said, I mean, you could tell I'm a pretty animated person. So I would have fun. I mean, I'd have a drink there with me and we'd watch everybody's cocktail. And I'd say, Tate, put your screens on. I don't care if you're in your pajamas. Sometimes I'd be in my pajamas. And we would just have fun and talk. And I made sure that they were small groups. I mean, yes. Is it easier to do one with 100 people? Yes, way easier. But at 25, I can see us all on the screen and we were having a happy hour and we were talking about what was frustrating us. We talk about a parent doing homeschool. We do all that. And again, it just built that community that really filled my cup up. Don't forget, I get such a high off of meeting all of our fans that when I wasn't able to go out there, that was missing for me. And so that's how I filled my cup up during the pandemic is doing that. And when Clubhouse became big, okay, I think I did 80 clubhouses, but it was just like, I know I was insane. I love this community. This is a community has taken a chance on me and I don't take that lightly. And I always say, it's not just about what we're putting in jars here. This is about how do we elevate our everyday life because it's not a dress rehearsal and how do you live full out and having that conversation that sometimes we're going to be faced with really negative things, but we have the opportunity to find a silver lining. And having that conversation while we're taking off our makeup, that's what gets me lit up. I can absolutely tell I have goosebumps myself listening to it because it is, and it's such a critical point during COVID, but honestly, at any point, right, all of us need that touch point, that connection that reason to give ourselves, even if it's, hey, I already signed up for this, so I'm going to show up. But that ability to show up and then see that there's a community of people to support you. And each other. They connected with each other. People are putting their Instagram handles in the chat and people are following each other and staying in touch. And that is creating true community. 
am loving this. What do you do with this after? Because there must be a part of you that thinks, okay, let's keep it going, but also probably not totally realistic. What are some of the things that your team even has said, look, we've got this great dynamic community. What are some of the things we can do to keep them engaged and to be their community? No, it's a really great question because obviously the world is opening up. And so I just did my first trip. I was out on the West Coast and great. These are the people who keep showing up in the community. Let's have dinner. Let's have brunch. Let's have breakfast. I mean, people are like, wait, she wants to have breakfast with me? Yes, let's go. And I'll be in the store. If you can't meet, let's have a coffee in a store. We're going to look to do more meetups. You know what? I'll go into the city and let's go for a hike together. Let's do this. Let's take this off of the virtual and the digital and let's do this in real time and let's have some real conversations. And so that's exactly what we're doing. You know, obviously I did a podcast too to keep people involved. I'm still doing masterclasses both virtually and now starting in person, but I'm, my dance card is full for April. I'm traveling more than I'm home. Seriously, I don't think I could be more excited about it because I know one of the trips is, this might be May, I'm going to Charlotte, then I'm going to Charleston, then I'm going to Raleigh, then I'm going to Atlanta, and I'm driving, and we're going to do this road trip. And that's with one of the retailers who I love, and she's become a dear friend, and we do this now, we were doing it every year, and COVID put a stop to it, but now we're going to go back on the road. And great, those people that I met, hey, you want to have coffee before I do this? If you can't come to the master class, maybe we'll go for a happy hour afterwards. And so it's keeping that connection going in a post-virtual world. Yeah, and really mirroring the two together. How, like you said, there's still virtual masterclasses happening. There's still meetups online that are happening. And then also subbing in where we can get together again and do that. And I love that now there's just more opportunity and what people are comfortable doing. Exactly, because I want to meet people where they're comfortable right? That should be, again, should be their choice. But that doesn't mean that they decide that they don't feel comfortable, that they don't have access to me. That's someone, not a leader. That's not what community is about. And so that's why we're offering both. That's why I, you know, have my own personal Instagram account, because I want people to feel if they want to have that side conversation, they can do that. You know, just lost one of my dogs. And I put it on there. And you know what, I woke up to like a barrage of DMs, But it was the community that has been there with me on the brand side that says, but I also want to know her personally, which I don't think there is a higher honor than that. But that's how I do it is also giving people direct access to me. And really creating that experience for people. And when you create an experience that really lives deeply in them, it's something that will stay with them. Not many owner founders are meeting up with consumers to have coffee and to get their feedback or to get their thoughts or want to share stories about their lives. So this is a moment for them that they get to have a look in the kitchen, if you will, to see Mm -hmm. what goes on beyond the brand. That is a really nice thing. Thank you. It almost reminds me of like really where professional skincare brands and hair care brands were in the 80s and 90s because they built these tribes of hairstylists and skin therapists and they gave access to themselves as owners. And I think that is where we see some of these more legacy brands today that have thrived and survived has been because they built these tribes and they had access. And now it's exciting that the consumer gets to participate because they have direct access now to founders like you and they get to experience that being part of a community. Honestly, it's so fun. 
Let's face it, I bet you have a lot of stories about those road trips. I know Jessica and I. <laughs> I do, and they're so fun. <laughs> Part of what needs to be known and said is none of this would be possible if I didn't have the most incredible team who has become my family. And I truly adore them and care about them so very personally and very deeply. But when we're on the road, oh my God, do we have fun. Do we have fun? which is amazing. I mean, that's the way it should be. You should enjoy what you do and who you do it with. We spend so much of our time working. Denise and I's mantra all the time is if we're going to get up every day, like you said, and have purpose and do something, we want to do it with people we enjoy doing it with. Denise alluded to, but we would travel a ton together and that's where our relationship was built. And purposely we would take a road trip instead of a plane trip because it was just yeah. fun and we would stop at random yeah. places and we would laugh so hard. So I can only imagine I'd love to have a cocktail with you in here. Oh my God, this is the best memories. I mean, that's just it. I'm going at the end of April to Texas and we're driving, we're doing the Dallas, San Antonio, Austin trip, but we're going to stop off in Waco and we're going to go to Magnolia and we're going to like and take pictures and be those complete tourists and have fun and laugh and play music and sing in the car and all those things. Because that builds a life of memories. Well, I think that this is how we really got in touch with you was through this networking of people. And I do have to give a shout out to Tina Perez at FITM because Tina was on the show and much like this, people know people that are interconnected. And in speaking with her, she said, there's one person that I definitely need to get you guys in front of. She's amazing. And you always hear that. And then you wonder, okay, who is this person? And then when she said, Indy Lee, Jessica and I just let out a big, this is so exciting <laughs> because we love your brand. And so this was meant to be also, it was meant to meet you. It was meant to have you on the show, hear your story, share your story and pull more people into your community. Of course, we'd love them to try your product, but let's pull them into the community and get them involved. I love it. That's it. I want people to feel comfortable how they're spending their dollars, right? And if nothing more, I want them to live their life fully. And so that's what the community is really about. So if people do want to reach out to you, Indy, how can they do that? So you can find me on Instagram at Indy Lee, I-N-D-I-E-L-E-E, -E -E, or TikTok, which is at just Indy Lee. And then the brand is at Instagram, Indy underscore Lee, and on TikTok, Indy dot Lee. And of course, to purchase products, IndyLee.com. Well, we have to thank you so much for your time today and sharing all your information. I know that we plan on staying in touch with you. There's something that's I very infectious so. about you <laughs> in a great way. And so thank you so much for being on the show. I really hope people reach out to you, follow your brand, see it grow. And we are your biggest fans. So we wish you thank much, you. much success and health and good health. So thank you so much for being on the show, Indy. Thank you both. I really appreciate it. Truly, truly, truly. And I had fun. <laughs> this has been Beauty Is Your Business. Produced by Mouth Media Network. Copyright 2021. Keep in touch on Instagram and Facebook at Mouth Media Network. And find prior episodes at beautyisyourbusiness.com and wherever the best podcasts are found. Your brand message can be on this show. Email us to find out more at podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com. Thanks.
Thank you for listening. 